So uh, a, a, quick, a quick testimony. And a testimony is just really us sharing of something that God's done. And this whole journey uh, coming to this place has really been amazing. So many people coming and saying, how can we help? How can we get stuck in? What can we do uh, from all around? So someone came to us uh, a few weeks ago, I think maybe last week. And, and people have been so generous financially as well, just even being able to do some of the stuff we've been able to do. So someone came up and they said to us, we would love to give you a gift to invest in the church and whichever else. So they gave us a gift, which was $10. Now, the amazing thing is, is that they had no idea that we had just sort of run out of what had been given to us. And we really wanted to get Play-Doh for the kids for now, for the toddlers. So they didn't know that that was the exact amount needed for cream of tartar, flour, and everything else for us to buy for the toddlers. So what we just shared with them is we just said to them, when it comes to anything, the resources we have, our abilities, our time, our financial resources, um, the ripple effects of that act of faith will be huge. We were saying that by, that means that toddlers who love play I even like play it's quite a good de-stressor. Any dads, end of a long day, just get playing play with your kids, it's a great de-stressor. So because of that, there's going to be a bunch of toddlers now today on this Sunday who have a great time, which means moms and dads get to be in the service, whether you know God or not, means that we get to hear from God and encounter Him. The ripple effects of that gift of the play amount is huge. And so I just want you to know that there's always space for whatever you feel you can offer in God's kingdom. It might be to say, I have half an hour at this time. It might be to say, I'm happy to just talk to someone in a week. It might be to say, well, I have one dollar, which we tell our kids as well, and also give. Will that really do anything? Yes. It will do a huge amount in God's kingdom. So I just want to share that as such a special testimony uh, on the back of starting these things up, that that $10 went a long way. It was so exciting. So unsurprisingly, in our time together, I would love to speak on the topic of hope. It would be a bit strange if I didn't, eh? just on the back of this. But the bottom line is we're all searching for hope. We all are. We just may be searching in different places. But hope is something universal that we all want. We're all after it. And hope is really placing our trust in someone or something for a better future. That's really what hope is. Is we're saying, I'm placing my trust in this so that on the back of that, I might be able to experience this. That's what all of us are doing all the time. And we say this quite often, or at least I do. In fact, in most of my messages, I say it without thinking. But I reckon in the last week, a number of you have already said hope. I hope to someone, or I hope something. It could be, um, I hope your exams go well. I don't know if teams are even writing. They aren't at the moment. Oh, it's, it's, it's holidays. We don't need to say that. I hope they go well. Depends if you've been studying or not, but the teams aren't yet. Um, I hope you had a great holiday, or you have a great holiday. I hope you're doing okay. Maybe someone who's had an operation or somebody who's going through a difficult time. I might see the message and say, I hope you're doing okay. Maybe I hope your meeting goes well. I hope you had a good day. I hope that that person is okay. But what do we mean when we say these sorts of sentences? What, what are we really saying? And I think that's what we're saying is we're saying whatever we trust in, whatever we believe in, we just hope that that person is having a good experience or a better expectation of the future than they could have otherwise. And we also hope things for ourselves. Now, we might not tell these to other people, but we hope things for ourselves deep down. We often have a picture of how we would like life to turn out. Hands up anyone who your life up to this point hasn't turned out how you expected it would 10 years ago. Hands up, it's been different, unexpected. Doesn't it be good or bad? Unexpected, right? 
But we all have these hopes. Even now you'll be sitting here going, I have a picture in my mind of what I would like the next five to ten years to turn out like. That's a hope. But we can place that hope in ourselves. We can have an expectation of it in what we can do. But why do we hope? Well, because we all want to get to a place of contentment and peace. That's what everyone's after. No matter how much striving or work people do, we all want to get to a place in life where we sit and put our head on the pillow at night and go, things are okay and I feel content. That's what we're after. Contentment is what the world is after. So, what are some of the things you're hoping for right now or hoping in, placing your hope in? It could be a person. It could be a spouse. We place our hope in people to fulfill things in our lives that maybe they can't. It might be an employer. It might be a work colleague in a business partnership. But we place our hope in people often. Maybe our hope is placed in ourselves, not in someone else, but in ourselves. That could be our intellect, our ability, our success. We're going to get somewhere in the next five to ten years because I have this ability. I have this opportunity. I can make it on my own. There's all those songs like, I did it my way. Or showing my age, Bon Jovi, you know, it's my life. Those sorts of songs. We, but sometimes we live that. And I think particularly in Zimbabwe, because of the difficulties we've been through economically, we can almost live this more than other people. I've done it. I've been through the tough stuff in this nation. So I can do it again. I can hope in myself for my better future. I told Sarah I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm going to anyway because she's taking kids' church. But, um, <laughs> so it's a good way to, you know, we signed up this morning. We didn't really sign up for it. But suddenly we decided, in, in some way in our minds, we couldn't get Country Road out of our minds. So we started um, playing on YouTube, you know, Country Road, take me on. Nothing to do with church, but we loved it. And uh, we're teaching it to the kids and we're doing the country dance. And then we went into, of course, Scatman. Because who doesn't love um, <laughs> Scatman's world? And I think we were doing that while the band was sitting up here. We were praying at the same time. <laughs> but um, those old songs, it shows our age. But we can live life like some of the lyrics of those songs. Honestly, I did it my way. I've done it my way in the past. I'm going to do it again. I'm placing my hope in myself. I'm successful, so my hope's in myself. Or we can place it in things. So that is in our resources. And I think quite often we can place our hope for safety and security of ourselves and our children in the things that we have in our bank account, in our cab safety deposit box, in overseas accounts, we can go, things are going to be okay in the future. They're going to be okay for my family. Why? Because I have a home which has an electric fence around it. Um, you know, everything's protected. No one's going to get in. It's not my safe haven in the midst of potholes and crazy driving. And then on top of that, it's okay. University sorted, school sorted, everything's okay. We can place our hope for a better future in our resources. But the bottom line is, is each of those are going to fail at one point or another. We can do it and we can try. And to some extent they might succeed, but they will all fail at one point or another. They can't provide us with the true confidence for our future, both now and beyond the grave. And that's the real hope that we need, is beyond the grave. Because frankly, the time that we live on earth is very short. It doesn't matter whether we live to five years old or 10 or 30 or 70 or 80, in the scheme of what's beyond the grave, it's very, very short. And I don't truly believe that any of us, whether we're exploring faith here today or not, really believe that there's just nothing. We might say that that's what we believe. And I've spoken to many people who say, that's what I think, we just disappear. But actually what that does is it makes life on earth completely pointless, which is what people who don't believe in God would say. There's no reason to it. We're just atoms bumping together. But deep down, we don't believe that. Otherwise, we wouldn't live the way that we lived. 
and we feel that there's importance. Otherwise, we wouldn't care about relationships. We wouldn't care about our children if we didn't believe there was something more to this world than atoms colliding. So people are going to let us down. Curveballs are going to come our way. And then what hope can we place in our success and in our possessions and in what we've achieved in the past? Those things all fall away when difficulties come. So there's three quick points that I'd love us to look at. And then we're going to pray together. And uh, this applies to wherever we are. And uh, I really do think um, there's probably three camps of people here today. Maybe the first camp that this will apply to is you've been invited by a friend or church is not for you. Maybe you do go to church for a wedding or for a funeral and maybe for a special dedication, but otherwise not. And so for whichever reason, you've made the trek or decided to come through the doors today. And I want to say well done because coming to church is a terrifying thing. Not just because we're weird, um, we are a little bit, some more than others, um, but the bottom line is it's, it's a terrifying thing to walk into a place like church if you don't usually come. So if that's you, I want to say well done and thank you. And I said before, feel at home, ask questions, explore faith. This is a safe place to be able to do that. And everyone is always welcome in that context. So maybe you're in that camp today. And I've got no doubt that God has something for your life and he wants to do more. And I, I really feel that what he wants you to know this morning is he loves you with an incomprehensible love. He showed it on the cross. He wants to show it to you again. And I trust that today is the start of an exciting journey for you. Maybe you feel like life has passed you by or there's been too much that's happened in your past for you to be able to start this journey afresh. It's never too late. There's always things that God wants to do in our lives and it can start today. It could start with you just asking the question today, is there more than the here and now? Is there a God? And if so, what does that mean for me? So if you're exploring, I want to say, well done. Keep exploring. Ask questions and keep seeking. The others of you might be excited for something new in the city, a new church thing. Maybe you've been in other churches, maybe you've come along with Sarah and I on the journey, a fresh beginning. And it could be also some lingering hurt from other church settings that we've been in. That's also possible for all of us. There can be those sorts of things. It feels like people might have let you down. Maybe even you feel like God has let you down or that you've been disqualified from being involved in church because of past mistakes. It's possible. We all make mistakes. And I want you to know God is the God of second chances. If you're a Christ follower not here today, he's the God who loves to do things in our lives when we think it's impossible. And so he's a God of second chances. Be open to that. Set aside past hurts. There's no perfect people. And if you think this is the perfect church after today, please don't join because you'll wreck it. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all imperfect, right? And the church never hurts anybody. People hurt people. We hurt people. We hurt each other. But we're on this journey. So if you've been hurt, we would love to have you here in the mix. But just know that we're all going to hurt each other. We, we hope that we don't do that a lot. But we all want to serve God. And so if you're prepared to come before Jesus and say, Lord, this is me. This is my mess. I'm hurt, but I'm available. Man, what he wants to do in your life is huge. And in the last campus, there's people here who you've probably sold out followers of Christ already. You're passionate about the Lord and all he wants to do in your life. Keep enjoying him. Serve an audience of one. Stay humble. Be a servant and then just wait to see what God wants to do in your life. But the minute we start to think we're doing church to try and get other people to notice or we're trying to do it for sort of props on our back from God, that's when we start to get frustrated. But when we serve God because he's just so good to us, then we just love it. It's why when I chatted to some of the guys who were sitting up yesterday, guys, I'm so sorry that you spent like six hours here and you're going to be here again at six in the morning. They're like, but we just do this for Jesus. Like it's a joy. It's annoying and it's frustrating, but probably wasn't a joy at eight last night or at six this morning. They probably lied to me. 
Um, but the bottom line is deep down, they're going, but we want to do this, not because of other people, but because of Jesus, and that's exciting. Stay in that place, always. So, three quick things, don't worry, we'll, we'll finish on time. Otherwise, the Janine and the toddlers with probably 30 of them will kill us. Right, so, finding hope. The first one is we're all after hope. I think you've got it out on Cal, thank you. And Cal is doing the most astounding job and he can't even see what's happening. He's hiding there in the background, but Cal, well done, man. He said he was really happy he could hide today, so good job. So that's the first one, everyone needs hope. The second one, we find true hope in Christ. Matthew 12, verse 21. Uh, Matthew was one of Jesus' close followers. Um, he walked with Jesus, he spent time with him on earth, and he wrote then on the back of that, almost a biography of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, you can join for those who don't know biographies of who Jesus is, spoken from the place of different people. And the reason why they slightly differ is because if we came across an event, you and I, we would all tell that event slightly differently, but the core of that event should be true, otherwise we would discount it. Same thing as the people writing those stories. And they all wrote stories about Jesus, slightly different from different angles, different characters, but says the same story. And this is what he says in Matthew 12, verse 20 to 21. It's the first thing I want each of us to know. He was quoting from older, back in the, in the Bible, Isaiah. And this is what he says, A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Now this sums up the work of Christ in your life and mine. This is why we're here. This is why we're doing Hope Church. This is why Sarah and I and a few others were just going, we just want to start this. It's because ultimately, like that, not that way. Nice balance, by the way. Um, it's this way. Jesus is the hope of the world. He loves us. This phrase there, a bruised reed, he will not break. This is talking about the fact when we're down and out, when we feel like life is a wreck and we're hurting. He doesn't squash us, but he raises us up. He, he loves us so deeply. So maybe as I said earlier, that's what you need to know. He loves you today. He cares about you today. When we're hurting, he loves us. When we feel our lives are broken, he loves us. When we feel we have no life left in us, when we feel that we are a smoldering wick, there's no fire, there's no flame, he's not going to put it out. He's going to grow that into a fire. He's got stuff for us. He's working. He always has our best interests at heart. And then it says there, until he brings justice to victory. He's a king, he's a warrior. He created everything that we see. You can check them out there afterwards, but one of the things we love going through with our kids, it's called the Lugibio, different devotionals for kids. We learned so much from it. What I was looking at three days ago, um, they were saying that scientists now, which happens all the time, you know, the reason why everyone says the world is billions of years old is because of the fact that that's the only way to stretch out evolutionary belief, is to say, but it happens so slowly, we'll never see it in our lifetime. It does happen, but it's so slow, over billions of years, none of us will ever know, so you should believe it. But what's so interesting is the more scientific we get, the more improved scripture. So actually, we were looking at the part about the moon, and the moon, believe it or not, is moving further away from the earth every year. It's really tiny, but it's about four centimeters or something like that. And actually, moons are moving further away from every planet that has a moon every single year. And scientists are now saying, well, because of how slow the moon is moving, it actually, and the fact that it is moving away, if we backtrack that to where it would have been, it actually can't be billions of years old or millions of years old in the world. It has to be created quickly and in a certain place. Why? Well, because otherwise we wouldn't be living today because the moons would be either too close or too far away. So as scientists move further and further into who, how creation works, they just see this incredible design of it, 
actually just proves what we see in scripture, which is amazing. And keep studying. So do it with your kids. There's some that you can get there, but we love it. Why do I say that? Because God will bring victory. He is the king. He does rule and reign sovereign over our lives. The Bible tells us he created everything with the power of his word. He will bring justice and we can rest in that. And then it says there that last, that in his name, the Gentiles, that's everyone who isn't Jewish. Even if you're Jewish, yeah, don't worry, you can hope in God. Um, but the Gentiles before weren't God's chosen people. And so we all get you know, brought into this, which is so exciting. And it says there, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. We will place our trust in him. We can, not in ourselves, our status, our positions, which will fail us. They always will. They can't prevent us from going through the difficult things in this life. Only him. You see, no amount of do-gooding in this world will solve the mess of society. I don't know about you, but when I look at the news every day and every week, there isn't more good in the news than bad. Never going to happen. When I look at Zim News, international news, there's never more good than bad. Why? Because no amount of philanthropy, no amount of you and I serving and helping out at soup kitchens will change the wreckage in the world. Why? It's because the wreckage in the world is not an issue outside. It's about our hearts. It's a problem of the heart. That's where the world problems come from. And it's not unproven. Watch the news. And why? It's because broken people cause brokenness. And so my challenge to each of you, wherever you are on the journey of faith today, is that there is someone we can place our trust in, who created everything, who will be there at the end, who paid a great price for you and I on the cross, and who actually holds the future in his hand, which means we can trust him. Our resources can't sort out the future. Our abilities can't sort out the future. We need someone who is outside of us, who has a greater strength and power than us to solve that, which is why we can place our hope in him. Other phrases of that phrase, hope, talk about God is our signal. For those Lord of the Ring fans, any Lord of the Ring fans here? A few. Do you guys know that there's the Amazon Prime one that's come out? It's just come out now. It's set like they say, you know, thousands of years before The Hobbit. Anyway, I love Lord of the Rings. Now there's this one scene where they're trying to say that I don't know if Gandalf was coming or what, but they lit all these fires on top of these hilltops. I don't know if you remember that, to try and say what was happening. So it was, it was a signal. Now, if you look at the root of, of in, in his name, the Gentiles will hope, it also looks in different passages about God will be a signal for us, a signal for you and I. Think traffic lights. He'll show us when it's the time to go, when we need to stop in our lives, when to be cautious about things. That's what, that's what God is. He's a signal to you and I about the way to live our lives. So maybe even you, if you aren't a Christ follower here today, the reason why you're here, the reason why you're hearing that, it's God's wanting to highlight something to you. He's wanting to signal. He's wanting to say there's more. Keep exploring. Don't shut it down, but explore. So hope has a name, and the name is Jesus. Second one, we're almost there. Hope is an anchor. Hebrews 6 verse 19 comes out of here. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Jesus promised us in this world we will have trouble. It's a broken world. So then if you come here and God, this is just amazing. If I give my life to God, all my wildest dreams are going to come true and there's going to be no more issues in the world. That's not biblical. Jesus says, guys, I give you life, but it's not going to be easy. This life is a mess. So our lives are going to be perfect if we follow Christ. We'll experience pain and hurt. But we experience God's goodness in the most profound ways regardless. Do our lives become easy? No. In fact, sometimes it become harder as a Christ follower. Why? Because you're going against the grain of society. It's not as easy often. 
but they become fulfilling. And this beautiful passage says that in Christ, we have a hope that's sure and a steadfast anchor. This doesn't mean there won't be rough seas or storms in our lives. Why else do we need an anchor? The reason why Jesus says he's our anchor is precisely because there will be storms. But in the midst of the storms, we stand firm. We're able to stay where we are. Our soul is okay. Our soul stays intact. Why? Because we rest ourselves on a supernatural God. You see, when difficulty comes and when circumstances don't go our way, our resources are never going to help. Our ability is never going to help. Other people are going to let us down. We need someone, again, beyond ourselves who will be our anchor. We might be struck down. We might be bashed by waves, but we won't be shaken or destroyed. Jesus has gone before us. He's been through what we have and worse. He came as a man. He lived like us, fully God and fully man. He went through the most horrific things. And so when he says, I'll be with you in the tough stuff, we can know that he will. Why? Because he's been through it before. He's sure and steadfast and he always will be. The final one before I pray. Hope does not disappoint. Romans 5 verse 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There's no empty promises from God. What you see is what you get. What he promises in scripture, what he promises in his word, comes to pass and happens in our lives. If there's things we're believing of him that don't happen, it's probably because they aren't in scripture. But his promises stand firm. It will be fulfilled. And we need to live on earth with an eternal perspective. Because when it says his hope doesn't disappoint, it's talking about hope beyond the grave. That's what it's talking about. And the greatest need for all of us is for eternity beyond. We need, it. we need Jesus now. Of course we do. But for you and I, eternity is forever. It either happens with Jesus or without. And the only way that it happens with Jesus is by placing our hope, placing our trust in what he's done, not in what we can do. That happens if we're not Christ followers, if we are today. So my challenge to you is place your trust in a hope that doesn't disappoint, which is his now and beyond the grave. You know, I was going to say here, and I can still say it a little bit as I close. I was going to say that every empty seat has a story yet to be written. And there are still some empty seats, but we might have to do a second service quicker than we thought. But every seat that's filled here today, whatever's brought you through these doors, there's a story that God's writing in your life. It's been happening and it's beginning, but there's more to come. And so whether it's here at Hope Church, whether it's at another church, keep coming, keep putting your place in a position to encounter the living God. Keep, keep yourself open, regardless of what's happened in the past, keep yourself open to what He might want to do in your life. But there's also empty seats, and we want to make room for more people as well. Yes, there's some space on the benches, as I said. Maybe we'll have to go to more services, and that means that we'll have to beg St. John's to let us stay here longer. Um, but... But, but it means that we want to make space. That means that there's more opportunity for us to serve and use our gifts because God has something that he's doing in everyone's life. So we would love you to be part of the process. Every one of you, including ourselves, to be part of that process of seeing many more seats filled. Because I know, at least in Harari, I shared this in the Vision Night, at the very least, I would say there's at least 40,000 people in our northern suburbs who don't yet know Jesus. I always say yet. Because Jesus is desperate for people to come to him. At least 40,000. Maybe in our small, tiny northern suburb sections, maybe 15, 20,000 people who don't yet know Jesus. There's a lot of space for God to use you and I. And it doesn't take us being upfront or doing those sorts of things. It just takes us being available with our time 
and with our heart, loving people, caring for people, and making space for people to explore faith. There's friends, families, and colleagues who are desperate for hope, for true hope, and it's our opportunity to share it, to demonstrate it with our lives, to, to demonstrate what God's done and what He wants to keep doing. So I'd love us to stand as we pray. Get the blood flowing quickly as we close, and then uh, there's going to be coffee and all those sorts of things to go. Lord Jesus, as we close off today on this really special moment together, just celebrating you coming from different contexts, different backgrounds, um, different wealth brackets, different colors of our skin, Lord Jesus, thank you that you truly are, I'll stake my life on it, you truly are the hope of the world. We can place our hope in so many different things, in so many different places, they will all fail. And even if they don't fail in this lifetime, even if it looks like they've been successful in this lifetime, they will never last when one day we stand before you and we give an account for our lives. In that moment, the only thing matters when you look at us is us saying, God, we don't stand here in our personal capacity. I don't stand here in, in what I've done. I only stand here because I, put, I placed my hope in your son, Jesus, and he paid the price for my brokenness and my mess my part to play in the brokenness of the world. And as a result of that, I'm right before you. And God the Father says, you're so spot on. Welcome, let's celebrate. So no matter how much we might place our hope in other things, one day, every knee will bow. When we bow, we wanna bow saying our hope has been in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of true hope. Not empty hope, but true hope. And I pray that each of us, as we head out these doors, as we go into our week, whatever we're facing, whatever we're dealing with now, I pray that we both receive what you're saying to us today, the signals you're giving, and we would share what you're doing in our lives. We would share the stories of what we do. We'd be available. Oh, you love it when we're available, Lord. You love it when we serve. You love it when we care for the least of these. You love it when we care for people on a journey the same as us. We're nothing special, but we serve a special God. So I pray that you'd use us in the weeks and months ahead. Your wonderful name we pray. Amen.